Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen. I'm here to help you plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. Delighted to welcome Diane Mills back with us for the second week. Hi, Diane. Hi. Thrilled to see you again. Diane and I started a conversation last week, and we talked about her new novel, Airborne, which just released, and we are doing a giveaway in the Facebook group, the Professional Writer Podcast Facebook group. So this contest is exclusively for members of the group. So head on over to bloggingbistro.com, where you'll find the show notes for this episode, as well as for last week's episode. And you can then find a link there to join the Professional Writer Podcast group and enter that contest for a chance to win some cool goodies from Diane Mills. Diane, we were talking about your book and about writing in general and about researching suspense novels. One of the reasons why I decided to keep going with this conversation for the second week is because I have been experimenting over the last seven-ish months that this podcast has been on the air with all sorts of different lengths of episodes and with doing monologue episodes versus episodes where I have guests on and just kind of testing the waters. This is what we all do when we're starting a new business or when we're starting a new venture that is related to our existing business is we test, 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 and then we keep doing what works and throw out the stuff that doesn't work. (laughs) What I have discovered is that when I bring a guest on, my listeners have told me that they are most enjoying kind of 20 to 30 minute long episodes. And I noticed as Diane and I were talking last week that it was getting up to about the 30 minute mark and we were just having so much fun. And it's like, let's keep going and uh, we'll do another 20 minute or however long it takes (laughs) this episode. And you made a comment, Diane, when we turned off the recorder last week, you said, that's why I like writing short chapters. And I've noticed that in Airborne, as I've been reading the novel, is that the chapters are usually only two to five pages long. We live in what I call a snippet society. Everything is fast-paced. And so it's highly unlikely our reader will sit down and say, oh, I have two hours to read on this book of mine, and I'm really thrilled about that. That's not happening. (laughs) Let's say we have a woman who's waiting in line to pick her kids up from school. And, oh, I have 10, 12 minutes here. If I can read something, that'd be great. And the idea of reading something quickly, as in a short chapter, it's that satisfaction. Wow, I really like her. I can get through a chapter and find out something exciting. No pressure for us writers. And then, you know, my next free time, I can do the same thing again. And so that works in the grocery store line, that works at the post office, that works in doctors and dentists' office casseroles baking in the oven. You've got a few minutes. And so you can read. That's when we want to reach out and grab something entertaining. And when they're short, we can. And with yours, Laura, I have to tell you that one of my quirks is that I'm a really big exercise enthusiast. Uh, When I'm lifting weights, it usually takes about 30, 35 minutes. I know I can listen to a fabulous podcast of yours during the time I'm lifting weights. And that's amazing. 
<laughs> That's so fun, Diane. Thanks for sharing that. And I want to hear from others of you who are listening in right now, too. So join the, the Facebook group and tell us, what are you doing while you're listening to the Professional Writer Podcast? <laughs> I know I'm usually, I sometimes will listen to it myself just to, you know, it's like I have to reassure myself that it turned out okay when it actually gets published. And so I usually listen while I am going for a walk or while I'm riding my bike. We are today going to talk more about another aspect of Diane's business, which is coaching writing and teaching writing. So a little bit more about Diane that I didn't share with you last week is that her books have appeared on many bestseller lists, the CBA and the ECPA bestseller list. She has won lots of different awards and been finalists for many other awards and contests. She's also a founding board member of the American Christian Fiction Writers, a CFW. She's a member of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association, History Writers of America, Sisters in Crime, and International Thriller Writers. So you're involved in several different organizations, which is also really important for serious writers that we get involved in different associations and different organizations that can not only help us promote our writing, but just put us around other like-minded people and we can learn with and from one another. Not only that, but Diane is also the director of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference and the Mountainside Retreats for marketing nonfiction novelists and speakers with social media specialist Edie Milson. So you've got a few things on your plate, Diane. I know. And that's a good thing. That is a very good thing. I know when I was called into writing that it would be a balanced, a balanced situation, that whatever I learned, I was to share with a serious writer. And I've always said serious because we both know a lot of people who want to write a book, but they're not really ready to do the work. With that, I've always received the the blessings of watching someone else go up another rung on the ladder as they get higher to their publishing goals and dreams, and also the blessings of being published. So both of those parts of the publishing world give me a tremendous amount of satisfaction. Also keeps me on my toes. I can't teach, coach, mentor, direct anything if I am not on top of my game and knowing what's going on in the publishing world. It's a big pay it forward. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I really like what you said about sharing what you've learned with serious writers, people who are committed, motivated, willing to put in the work over the long haul. A couple weeks ago in the Professional Writer Podcast Facebook group, I posted a question and I asked people, what is one of the most challenging aspects of starting and growing, running a writing-related business? And I call it writing-related because not all writers are book authors. There's lots of different ways that you can Mm -hmm. earn a living writing. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. And one of the people responded kind of jokingly, but kind of not, writing. The most challenging part of owning a writing-related business is the writing. A good friend and a writing hero uh, of mine, Jerry Jenkins, he kiddingly says, but it's true. We love being called writers. It's the process of doing the writing that we often don't like. 
it's a lonely profession. It's just you and the computer. And for many of us, it's me, the computer, and God. And sometimes I think he's laughing at me. And um, then other times I know he is. But with that, we have to be disciplined and Mm -hmm. organized and scheduled. Many times we need an accountability partner. We need the tools in place so that we can be successful. Now, you do some writing coaching, Diane, correct? Yes. Do you work with parents of young children who have a dream to become a published writer? And I know that's a a very challenging time of life to actually carve out meaningful time to do the writing because it seems like there's always interruptions. I remember when I had young kids, even going into the bathroom to try to take a shower, there'd be a little knock on the door. Mommy, help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hit me. <laughs> um, do, you, do you coach parents of young kids? I have offered some advice to parents that has worked well. The biggest advice I can give parents is to encourage the writing on the side and for the uh, the young person to receive everything they possibly can from their schooling. Now, this is not a rabbit trail. This is um, a little something, but it goes along with that same uh, statement. My granddaughter, who will uh, be 14 here very, very quickly, when she was eight and a half, I said to her, what would you like for Mimi to write you? And she said, I don't want you to write me anything. I want us to write something together. So I thought, okay. And so I asked her what the book would be about and things of this nature. And it was typical eight and a half year old dragon, uh, little girl, you know, hero, that type of thing. But when she said to me, her name is Arrow and she will spell it A-R-R-O-A-H. I thought, Now, maybe we might have something here. I love my grandkids to pieces, but I can be firm, rarely. But in this case, I was. I said, okay, we can do this, but we're going to do it together. And that's one bit of advice I give to all parents. Don't do it for them. With Grace, I said, we'll do this, but I'm going to teach you how to write, no matter how long it takes. Well, it took two and a half years but she learned how to write fiction. When she could say to me, oh, there's a question mark at the end of that dialogue. That means I don't need to say he asked, he said is fine because you told me said was a blind word. And then, you know, the book came out, but it was a memory maker. It was the biggest, sweetest memory maker that you could ever imagine. Nothing can ever replace that. If you have a child who is interested, go for it, but don't do it for them. Teach them. Thinking about the time-strapped parent of young kids who's always being interrupted, and you're just like, what am I going to do? Am I going to am I, I going to get up at four a.m. and write, or am I going to stay up and be writing at midnight? Well, maybe you will. Something that you could do as a parent, which is what you did is to write something with your child, if they're interested in writing or in storytelling. Not only read to them, but write with them or teach them 
how to write and then create something together. So you may not be at the point where you actually have the time and the space and the ability to sit down and crank out a novel or a nonfiction book or whatever it happens to be, but you may be able to use that time to create that amazing memory with your child. It is better than any memoir you could ever come Mm. up with. I didn't do that with my kids because neither of them are writers. However, I did read to them all the way up to the point where they graduated from high school and moved away. (laughs) I read novels to them. One of the things I did from when they were really little, and I still have this file, was I wrote down all the funny things that they said. Because, you know, little Mm -hmm. kids just say the most random, absolutely hilarious things, and they get words mixed up. And I have this huge file. I just call it Benny and Josh's Funny Sayings. (laughs) (laughs) And I got years and years and years worth of these little quips and anecdotes that they said. And oh, that just reminded me, Diane, that's how my writing career actually got started. I took a couple of those funny things that they said, and I sent those into parenting magazines, and they published them and sent me like $35. Yes, <laughs> yes. isn't that fun? I was a professional writer based on funny things my kids said. Oh, and I'm thinking about a whole book, Funny Things Kids Say. You know, uh, um, what was it? Art Linkletter, who used to do that? And uh, he did okay. <laughs> you did okay. We're dating ourselves here. I know it. I know it. I barely were like Art Linkletter. Who's that? <laughs> oh, I had to. I had to think for a second. Who was that guy's name? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, we did go off on a little bit of rabbit trail, but that's okay. It all relates somehow. You coach writing and you teach writing. So let's talk a little bit about that and about your passion for coaching and teaching serious writers. What are some of the things you most love to coach and teach on? Well, obviously fiction. I love every aspect of fiction. I am a panster, but I am an organic writer. In other words, everything comes out of character. So when I say that I teach and show a writer how to have a three-dimensional character before they even begin, before chapter one, line one. That is very, very uh, important to me. I've just finished a book for another publisher titled The Art of Exploring Character that I did that very, very thing. And coaching, let's say that you uh, recommended a writer to talk to me about coaching. I would personalize that coaching, those sessions, according to their ability, to their goals, to where they see themselves, their strengths, their challenges, it is unique to them. And I find that that's very, very important and different than in teaching to a group. Because to a group, you're doing overall as, as much as you encourage questions, you don't have that one-on-one like you have when you're coaching someone one-on-one. It could be that one-on-one person that their, their biggest issue, their biggest problem could be self-confidence. And so you just have to push, push this aside and say, okay, let's work a little bit on this confidence. That's what makes it so very, very meaningful. Uh, For years, I did uh, Jared Jenkins with the Christian Writers Guild. I did his craftsman program, whereas I had writers for a year, 
no more than 12, one at a time in that I may have had 12 in a group, but it was one-on-one coaching. I would have grown men cry at the end of the year because they're sharing their hearts. And it is uh, more than just learning how to write. It is learning how to live and to adjust to the changing publishing world and to understand that uh, for me and for many of my writers, writing is a ministry. Because of that, I want to make sure that my writers receive the best I can possibly give, whether it be a coaching, whether it be a workshop, whether it be a continuing class, whether it be a, a big online experience, or whether I'm directing a conference in which Edie and I are very, very careful to make sure that we have not only the best agents and editors, but they are outstanding teachers. Mm-hmm. That makes everything very, very selective. So I don't know if I've told you more than what you were asking for, but I just wanted to share a little bit of, of my heart that the next generation of writers is crucial. No matter whether they're eight years old or they are 28 or 38, they have to carry the torch. And in order to carry the torch, they have to have those tools. They've got to have the fire. They've got to have that spark to make sure that happens. I really like what you said about making sure that whether you are teaching, coaching one-on-one, whatever size the group is, or directing your conference, that you your primary goal is to make sure that they're receiving the very best that you can give. I have listened to a lot of podcasts from really what you would call, I guess, in a worldly sense, successful entrepreneurs who are making millions or multi-millions of dollars off of their businesses. And some of these people I have followed for 5, 10, even 15 years, sometimes in their current podcast episodes or blog posts, they'll say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I said what I said on my podcast five years ago because I, you know, I thought I knew what I was talking about, but I really didn't. And now here's how I've changed and here's what I'm offering now. And sometimes I have trouble with that, but most of the time I'm thinking, okay, that shows me that at that time, five years ago, that person was still giving the very best that they were capable of doing at that time. During the ensuing five or 10 years, they have grown, they have matured, their businesses have matured, they've learned so many new things along the way, but they're still out there giving the very best that they are capable of doing in that moment. And so I want to show some grace to our listeners because, you know, you may go back and look at something that you wrote five years ago and just go, oh my gosh, that was horrible. I can't believe I ever wrote that. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> I do that too, all the time. I can't believe I published that. Oh, I'm just so ashamed of that. But that was the best you could do at that time. Right. And now you've grown, you've changed, and you're still doing and giving the very best that you're capable of doing in this particular moment. So thank you so much for sharing that, Diane. That just really made me think. You know, Laura, if if we can't in, in this business, because writing is, is so individual, so personalized, uh, if we can't be transparent in sharing with another writer about 
the weaknesses and the strengths and the victories and all those other things that come within writing in the publishing industry. If we can't share those, we can't give them a realistic impression of what this wonderful career is like. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Diane, because the coaching and the teaching they are income streams for you in addition to the book authoring that you do. Yes. You're not coaching and teaching for free, I would imagine, in at least in most cases. Is that correct? Would that be correct? Correct. Okay. I, I, I sometimes run across this, and this is usually with beginning writers because I'm also a coach and I coach people on website and web-based writing in specifically, who have the attitude like, I'll just take you out for a cup of coffee at Starbucks and in an hour you can tell me everything I need to know about how to write a novel or how to build a website and and we'll be good to go. So talk a little bit about that mindset and maybe do you ever come up against that with people who want to just pick your brain because you have a lot of experience as a writer and as a coach and as a teacher. Usually I can see through someone who is naive and doesn't understand what all is involved and someone who simply wants all the information without working for it. There's Mm -hmm. two different concepts. Both of them lack the knowledge. It's one doesn't know, oh my goodness, I would never have asked you that if I had any idea what that was all about. Or be my best friend, and then once I get my book published, I don't need you anymore. We don't want that either. I think that we need to be gracious. I think that we also need to understand that you would not go to a surgeon to do brain surgery who said, you know what, I learned everything I needed to know by having lunch with XYZ surgeon. We want the one who has done the work. While a writer may walk away and say, well, no, if I have to pay for someone to teach me these things, then it's not worth it. Then they really didn't want it. And they would never work hard to begin with. Mm, Good point. So uh, as I said, I fashion what I design according to, okay, this is my budget. This is all I have. And uh, sometimes it works and, and sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cause them to take out a loan. Neither am I going to do it for free. I try to, I try to be reasonable because I feel that that is a being a good steward. Mm-hmm. There is no free lunch. There is no free lunch. While that can be sort of a harsh statement at times, uh, it is very true. If you want something that's free, then what you're going to get from someone else is free. And while I might do that for a little, I draw the line because it, it, it is not good for them any more than it is good for us. I'm hoping that makes sense. Yeah. Figuring out what to charge is always a challenge for mm-hmm. me. Do you base that on your years of experience in this industry among other factors? Yes, experience, uh, what it will involve for me, Mm -hmm. how much homework I give you, what would be needed outside the sessions, so that, number one, I usually take just one coaching student at a time, because that's not fair, because of all the other things I do. Mm 
Just like I just take one editing project at a time. So I want to give you my best. And if I don't have an answer and I've got to run to my Chicago manual style and pull up the, the section and make sure that you have that or find you other sources, then not only am I learning a little something there too, but I need to be compensated for that. So number one, yes, they are paying for experience. They are paying for having 100% me. I am not baking cookies while we're having our coaching session. Uh, we or are, roasting coffee in your yes, air popper. Uh, yes, or roasting <laughs> we coffee. talked about last week. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing that. You have me. You have 100% of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's valuable. I know that when I was learning how to write and those who mentored me, uh, the ones I value are the ones who didn't do it for free and they gave it all. I never felt anything I ever received was unreasonable. Never. What was your own progression toward becoming a writing coach and a writing instructor? It was more of a winding path that came chronologically. I was writing, and because I was writing, I saw the value of a writing group that met in my home for 10 years where it was critiquing. It was not writing instruction. It was critiquing. The more I did with that, the more I uh, realized how much I enjoyed it. Came on board with Jerry Jenkins' group. So it was a winding road that came as part of what I felt was my calling. And the more I learned, the more I felt, wow, I just I just talked to this writer who had no clue what that concept or that technique was about. That uh, you know, I wonder if they want to know. I mean, I saw the the need for other writers to be able to have the tools needed to write better, no matter what they were writing, if they were writing emails or grocery lists. And so it was a winding road. I like what you just said about being aware of the need, because I think that that is so true for all of us who are involved in any type of a writing-related business. We watch, we listen, we ask questions of our audience, and we discern what their key needs are related to the skills and the knowledge and the expertise that we have to offer and the ways that we can help them and ways that we can serve them, whether we're just starting out and we're doing that not with the intent of earning any money or perhaps you're doing it as a ministry, or whether like Diane and I, you're doing it as a way to earn an income and help support your family. Or a little bit of both, I suspect. Yes, it's a little bit of both. We we do a little bit of both because I know that both you and I are very involved in writing-related organizations. You're directing a writer's conference, co-directing a writer's conference and a writer's retreat. Tell us a little bit about the conference and the retreat, where we can go to find out more about them. And I will put links to this in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com as well. Wonderful, wonderful. You can go to the blueridgeconference.com. That's the website. And it not only has all the information about our Blue Ridge Conference, we did postpone our May 2020 to November uh, Mm -hmm. 15th through 19th, and that's coming up. And then we will have a regular yearly one in 2021 in May. But we also have information about our retreats there. We have a Mountainside Marketing Retreat, and we never even touched on that, but that's uh, what a writer needs for social media success. Yes. Uh, book launches and things of that nature. Uh, nonfiction, 
Uh, we have a small retreat in nonfiction, and we don't have agents or editors at these retreats. It is just small in learning. We have fiction, a novelist retreat. I love that, too. Mm-hmm. And we have speaking. And so the, those are small venues in which you get one-on-one, in many cases, the instructions that uh, will help you move up to that next level. And it's just a wonderful sampling. You know, it's like going to an ice cream store. And, and, and you say, oh, I want some of this, and I want a scoop of that one, and a scoop of that one, and they're all sweet, and they all taste delicious. It's just, which one do I take? And that's sort of how I feel about teaching and coaching and directing these conferences. I want to offer you the best ice cream ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Diane, for your dedication, your enthusiasm. You have just devoted so much of your life and your career to helping other writers to move forward, to achieve their dreams as a writer. Oh, thank you. Because that is that is my purpose, to make sure, like I said before, that next generation is equipped and ready to go. Well, thanks again, Diane, for joining us this week and last week for the Professional Writer Podcast. Listeners, if you would like to learn more about Diane, where can I go, Diane, to find out more specifically about you and the services that you have to offer for writers? Just go to dianemills.com, and that's D-I-A-N-N-M-I-L-L-S.com. All my social media platforms, everything is all right there. I want to hear from you. Let's be friends. Yes, <laughs> perfect. And Diane is also a member of the Professional Writer Podcast community. That's our Facebook group for the listeners to the podcast. Uh, she is running a giveaway this week, and it started last week, and it's continuing this week. So join the community, and you'll find the details for Diane's contest there within the group. And if you would like to ask Diane a question about anything that you've heard during the last two weeks, uh, or just share your thoughts with her or thank her for the encouragement that she's provided for us here on the podcast, feel free to join the group and chime in there. We're here to support and encourage and challenge and learn from one another. You'll find a link to that as well as the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It was a joy to have you here with us, Diane. I'll be back with you again next week.